Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2019. I'd only been away from my job not even two weeks when I saw an advertisement on Instagram from my dear friend Valerie Burton. The advertisement said, make your first 10 grand coaching. And it wasn't so much the money that interests me. The ad actually interests me. I was targeted and I thought, Wow, what an interesting thing that my friend's ad actually wound up in my feed. I hadn't thought about coaching at that point. I was mentoring with my brand, The 30-Minute Mentor, which is now NSC eLearning. But I was curious, looked into it, listened to the webinar that was free, and you know what? It was a good webinar. I was convinced. It was for their coaching intensive weekend for the CAP Institute, which would happen in two weeks. I had to pay my money and get on a plane. I thought, you know what? It may be a good thing to get the certification because if I do, that'd be one more spoke in the wheel of my business. Paid the money, got on the plane, went to Atlanta, Georgia, and there we were in the sessions. I was heartened to see that Valerie wasn't doing it all by herself. She has a whole staff. In fact, she had a couple of trainers with her. One of those trainers was Laferne Beatty of the Beatty Group. She is a firecracker, and she was not just there to train us on coaching. She was also there to train us on business acumen and business fitness. It's safe to say that in our first interaction, I think one of those times when I raise my hand and chime in with an answer or a comment, Laferne automatically gravitated to me, and we had... A nearly instant rapport. Let me change that. It was an instant girlfriend moment. We saw eye to eye on a lot of issues and the way to approach coaching. You see, she is a certified executive and business coach. A year later, I am sitting in those shoes as a certified executive and business coach. Since then, Laferne and I have interacted on, on Instagram and Facebook. We've had conversations since then. And it was so exciting to get my certification certificate in the mail and then my final grade in my graduation packet. And guess who graded it? Laferne Beatty. I want you to meet her because I thought she'd be a great person to bring on and talk about what the civil rights movement looks like in the workplace. You may have guessed that it's part two in the series. We kicked off Tuesday on the coaching corner where I delivered my monologue on audio and went live for the first time on Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, and YouTube and talked about this topic. Laferne helps me go deeper. In fact, when we had our conversation, she had just gotten off the phone with leaders at a corporation talking to them about what changes they should make and think about 
as they move into this very new era. Make no mistake, the people pouring into the streets all over the world aren't just talking about police reform. They're talking about toppling systemic racism once and for all. You see, even NASCAR announced yesterday they would no longer allow the Confederate flag at any of their official events. That means that they wouldn't raise it themselves and they wouldn't allow participants to bring it to the events. Even heard a report that one of the cars will be painted with Black Lives Matter <laughs> and it will race around the track ceremoniously at some point. I understand that the one black driver raised his voice along with several, several drivers. And you know what, guys? That's sports. It's sports. So what's going to happen in corporate America and business? Let's talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let me introduce to you a leadership consultant and business strategist. She's also the founder of the Beatty Group, Lafern Beatty. Hey everybody, I'm so excited to have my friend, and you know what? A mentor and trainer of mine, Lafern Beatty. She is the CEO of the Beatty Group. She is also a personal and executive coach, certified I would add. <laughs> How did I meet her? Through the CAP Institute. She was one of my trainers. And you know what? I think we probably exchanged a couple of words we the sure first did. time in that first session and we hit it <laughs> off. Y'all, Lafern is special. She does organizational coaching for some of the Fortune 500 and other companies that are out there. And she also does personal business and leadership development for individuals. How are you doing? I am absolutely fabulous, Elma Shaw. I'm thrilled to be here with you. I'm excited about our conversation. Looking forward to it. Yes, awesome. So look, we're going to talk about, well, how about we have a culture suit moment? Let's do that. I'm looking forward to it. I go through the threads every day to see what people are talking. We're seeing throngs and throngs of people marching around the world for what people are calling the largest civil rights movement in the history of mankind. Is that crazy? I mean, it's awesome, but wow. This is an amazing season for us to be living in and serving in. Yeah, Who it thought? is. Who would have thought? And you thought? know, our reference for it, and you're a Gen Xer like me, is what our parents told us about and what our history books showed us from mm -hmm. the civil rights movement of the 60s. And apparently, the large scope of this dwarfs what was going on in the 50s and 60s. Is that crazy? I mean... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and overnight. Is. Let's see, George Floyd, rest his soul, is being laid to rest today um, when we record this. But he just passed away, was murdered two weeks ago. And we went from global pandemic yeah. to the largest global <laughs> civil rights movement of all times. How things can change. Yeah. I, I think that it is exciting, disturbing, um, yeah. world-shifting, 
humanity shaping all at the same time. And who would have thought that in a global pandemic and yes. a social pandemic, a human pandemic, that we would have this yeah. all rolled up into one. Yeah, this is it a is big ball of interesting You know, my last living. Um, episode, I had Jared Hill on and we talked about the three beasts of the apocalypse. There are three things we're dealing with right now. And one, of course, is this pandemic, which I hope that we don't have super spreader events as a result of the uh, the protests. But you know what? They're putting their lives on the line. So God bless them. But the second thing, of course, is the civil rights movement that just blossomed, mushroomed overnight. Um, civil unrest, I would call it that, because, you know, it's great to sing all the protest songs and kumbaya and all that. But the reason that brought us here was not pretty. Right. And right. then number three, a catastrophic failure in leadership. We don't even have to name his name. Mm. We all know who that is. <laughs> That's and right. rolled up in we there do. is unemployment and just outright distress and disappointment as to way, the way our co country should be running right now. And it's not running on full yeah. throttle as it has in the past. Let's just say that. <laughs> Yeah, I will tell you, as the daughter of an 83-year-old activist who was just oh, marching right. over the weekend, this has been, yeah. this is my life. This is the work that was yeah. seeded in us as children. And so I'm the youngest of six. Being in mm -hmm. my early 50s, I'm starting to see all over again what this looks like yeah. on a much larger scale. So this is, this is wow. her life's work. Mama? Yeah. It's mama. mama. Shout out to mama. Yes. Because you know what? I was thinking about my parents the other day. I said this to my sister. I was like, my parents paid their dues in the 60s. Why are they having to look at this again? Right. Well, you know, I she's gearing up for All the right. march in August and just called to check to make sure I All was right, planning mama. on being there. I like mama. <laughs> Mama's cool. <laughs> but listen, help me put this into focus for people. Because it's very easy to get trapped up on the fact that people are marching for George Floyd. And mind you, what right. happened shouldn't have happened. And he is indeed a catalyst for what this is really about. But wouldn't you say it's broader than that? This moment is much more than just George Floyd. When I think about Malcolm Gladwell and the tipping point, which is not a novel concept, but he put it together beautifully. Think about the decades and centuries of this building, this, this unrest, this dissatisfaction, this being set aside and minimized, being pushed because we're tired of being polite. We're tired of being politically correct. There are people who've never used their voices or used them in a silent and politically appropriate right. way who are now in organizations where they're ready to speak up, speak out, and ask for what they need specifically. Yes. That's where we are right yes. now. Yes, and you know it's interesting because probably not like your mom, who's an activist, <laughs> and she speaks up. But generation, the generation before us, who came through a different time where they actually saw the civil rights movement happen, but they understood that if you get a good job, that you need to kind of put your head down yeah do what you're told, don't ruffle any feathers and come out the other end, you know, retired with 2.5 kids and a dog and you go to Florida and you become, you know, a retiree, very comfortable with your pension right. and your whatever. 
And if somebody taps you on the shoulder and gives you an opportunity, that's how you move up. Um, I think that we've seen that generation over generation, but understanding what our parents went through, you kind of get it. But we have adopted that. And what we've learned, what you've pointed out is politeness and quietness doesn't get us what we actually want. So how does this play out in the workplace? Because I think people are thinking this is about police and institutionalized Mm. racism in the police, you know, departments across the country. But if it's institutionalized racism, it means everything this country was built on, including corporate America. Do you agree? Exactly. I, I absolutely agree. I've worked for all my life inside of very large organizations. That has been both a privilege, but with that comes some demand. Yeah. And so I think about it. We can take disruption and innovation. So if we talk about being disruptive, being uncomfortable, uh, shifting at a rapid pace, if we talk about that in the innovative space, Mm -hmm. we're okay with that. But when it comes down to the people space, to humans asking for something different and at a rapid pace, we're really uncomfortable with that. This systemic racism is part of every institution that exists that we are exposed to, including the corporate space. And so why would we not expect that it's going to spill over from the streets to the boardroom? Yes. That's an expectation. The leaders I'm talking with every day, I'm asking them to expect a disruption Mm -hmm. that will make them extremely uncomfortable because that's what this is. This is being able to get to the top of organizations and not necessarily for people who look like you and me have access to those paths or people coming in, leaders coming in, and now we're not going to be quiet. We're going to ask for something other than the opportunity just for me. So yeah, this is, this is what we're seeing in the streets is a microcosm of what has existed in many different institutions, every different institution that we're exposed to. So we should not be surprised. Absolutely. And the people who make up the community are the people who make up your corporation. That's right. Recently, I wrote an article for LinkedIn that talked about exactly that. And that while companies are being very sensitive, aligning with the black employees, standing beside them and supporting them, They're missing part of the equation. If black employees who are part of the community and the black community are feeling some sort of way, that would mean that you have people who think another way who are also in your corporation. How do you deal with them? And here's the thing. We're afraid of the word racism in corporate America. We don't say it. When's the last time you've been in a meeting and heard that word? Have I ever? Right. (laughs) It has to be an EEOC complaint, and then it's like way gone. Right. And at that point, the company is defending. Yes. If you get to EEOC complaint, you are defending. Mm -hmm. You are not trying to position yourself for understanding. Then beyond the EEOC complaint comes the training, Mm -hmm. the diversity training, and then we go back to business as usual. Yes. interesting because I see the word corporate and know the meaning of it. It means one body. 
Right. China means we act the same. Yeah. So then when we throw in the word diversity, how does that work? Or inclusion. Yeah. How does it work? Or equity. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the way I look at it is if we are one body mm-hmm. and the arm is aching, the arm is in pain. Yeah. Then the whole body is going to hurt. It can shut you down. If a toothache yes. can shut the body down. Yes. <laughs> when the arm is aching, it can shut the organization down. But we don't see it as clearly as we do some of the other areas that are more comfortable talking about. So it's about being willing to, yep, address the conversations, have the conversations, address the individuals, and not tiptoeing around it by trying to be exclusive. Mm. The all lives Mm -hmm. matter. Right now we're talking about black lives. How do, here's something I think about in all the years of training and educating and consulting with leaders and, and over 25, 30 years now, the more specific your communication, the more effective. So lumping black lives in with all lives right now is ineffective. We are talking about black lives. Let's talk about it specifically. We need to be clear in these critical conversations about what we mean. And that's beyond a blanket statement. Statements are good, but statements are not accurate. How do you move to that action, to that systemic change? And, and really, I'm working on both sides of the organizations. I'm working with the leaders saying expect it and take mm-hmm. action. And with those on the other side in the organization saying ask for yes. it. And be willing to get in this place of discomfort where you are causing disruption that leads to the change that you're asking for. But we're all going to put something on the line. We all must and we must be willing to risk something individually for the good of everybody collectively. Absolutely. And you know, we talked about the statements. The donations yeah. are another thing. I've seen some hefty donations. Yeah. $10 million, Some, Some, you know, even higher than that. Going into the community, and that's a good thing. But internally. Let's, let's get internal yeah. for a second. Yes. How does this civil rights movement manifest inside mm-hmm. of a corporate body. Shouldn't there be some dismantling that happens? Yes. And what does that, what could that look like? I look at it from the top down. Mm -hmm. So the dismantling means having real representation. Mm -hmm. If you say we stand with you, can I then click on your website, look at your executive team, look at your board of directors and see representation that says, we stand with you. Because that means somebody at the top who's in a place where they can make a decision, Mm -hmm. positions of power, somebody is at the top, not just as a face, but as a powerful voice who is going to challenge those who are with me around the table, who are gonna challenge us to make decisions that are completely different from what we've made before. Somebody who's going to ask us those critical questions. So how do you recruit senior executives? Yep, we need frontline recruitment that looks differently, but that's not where the decisions are made. How long does it take me to get from frontline to executive? We don't have that amount of time left. Well, and here's the thing. The pipeline is broken if it even exists. Right. And and with that, if the pipeline is broken... Even if I start at the front door of the organization, 
it's still going to take me how long to get that person in the pipeline from frontline or entry level or professional level to executive. Yeah. That's a completely different process. I contend we start at the top. Yeah. So that might mean I step off the board and I ask for somebody else to replace me on the board Mm -hmm. who is representative of the communities that we're talking about Mm -hmm. supporting Mm -hmm. with our dollars and with our bold statements. Put somebody on the board, but don't just make it someone who gets a label that sounds good. Have somebody in there who can help us work on our succession plan, help us work on our strategies that get us the type of senior level decision-making talent, those who are in the positions of power, who determine what the bonuses are going to be, who who gets stock options and who doesn't, who determines all of those executive comp packages that most of us don't even see unless we've been exposed to that. Somebody who gets us there and then work through the rest of the organization. We need some people with voices and leverage in powerful positions to help shake up the rest of the organization. Shaking it from the bottom does not make it bubble at the top as quickly. Let's talk about the middle because that's where a lot of sisters that look like us fall off. The stats show it. In fact, you know, it's interesting we're talking revolution now, <laughs> but we had some data three years ago that showed us what was happening. Catalyst talked about black women as double outsiders. And of course, that was on the heels of yes. leanin.org and McKinsey, where they talked about women mm-hmm. in the workplace and women of color having a specific issue in corporate America because our race and our gender makes us completely opposite of the power structure, which is white and male. So you get to the middle, director, AVP, VP, and then you start to see black women disappear. They just, they thin Mm -hmm. out and they disappear. I don't care what company you're talking about. And then you typically will see senior vice president or hire a trickling And then, of course, in the Fortune 500, we have zero since Ursula Burns at the helm at the CEO level. The pipeline is broken. What what can you say about what you're seeing with clients and also the leaders on the inside that just don't see this? That's an interesting conversation that I've had so much recently, including just before our conversation Mm. today. And there are two ends to that. So there we've talked about getting leaders to not just be open to conversations, but in many situations, sitting back and listening without having to run the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then once you hear making decisions about what you're going to do, but you have to engage in those conversations without (laughs) taking them so personally that you no longer want that person in your organization, because that's a reality in many organizations. Also for those sisters who are silent at some point, we can't expect that anybody is going to make any decisions that positively affect us without raising our voices Many times that might mean collectively raising our voices, 
But the reality is sometimes we're one of very few or one of the only in an organization. I I was sharing this morning uh, that I had a situation where I decided it was no longer profitable Mm -hmm. for me to be polite. And while you have to be cognizant of how that looks, that I remember being with one of my white male colleagues who had direct impact over Mm -hmm. what my bonuses and my increases would look like, having a conversation with him where I walked Mm -hmm. him to his office, slammed the door so that Mm -hmm. it rattled everything on the walls, and had a conversation with him in language and tone that he could relate to. And many women would say, I don't want to do that because I put something at risk. But at what point do we decide we're not going to just silently slip away and we're going to make it known what our demands are, what our concerns are, and ask yeah. for what we and want? And you know what? You make excellent, excellent points. And I have a number of clients that look like you and me that are facing this right now. And one of the questions that I raised to them, and it, it kind of is off-putting at first, <laughs> but they get it. They start to smile. Mm-hmm. I said, what would a white man do? And the reason why I raised that question is because, yes, they're centered in corporate America. They literally have people around them that intrinsically value them without even speaking it. (laughs) It just is the way it is. We have to manufacture that kind of security and value so that we can run to the risk like everybody's saying they want. They want this transformational leader. (laughs) So in order to take the risk like you did, walk into a room, slam the door so that everything shakes and not be afraid of someone calling you an angry black woman, you had to be Mm -hmm. secure in what comes next. And a white man would say, well, what would they do? Just fire me. I go get another job. Where? Right. Yes. Uh, which, (laughs) Which means we need to develop something that is our plan B. I I believe that what we often do in that space is we get plan A, plan A is comfortable. And before you know it, we're in a place where we are held prisoner to plan A. We're not in control. (laughs) And so, no, we're not. And and my my perspective has always been, what can I do if I leave here? What else can I do? How can I prepare for that? Because not preparing for it keeps me a slave to silence. So if I have a cushion and if I have my network that's strong because I keep my relationships built, what can I do? And that's important even as a consultant to organizations. What can I do if they get mad about something somebody points to that I've said on social media and they decide they want to stop the business relationship? I better have some plans, BCs, probably Yes. (laughs) cues in line to combat that. But part of that is confidence and confidence Mm -hmm. comes from preparedness. And we've got to get prepared so that when we need to speak up and speak out, we can do so because we know how to, Oh, we Mm -hmm. can speak. We know how to, but we have that concern, that fear around what's going to happen. Suppose they say, I'll just walk you out the door. We no longer need your services. We're Mm -hmm. we're reshaping the organization. What do I do then? And so we too must get comfortable with being uncomfortable so that we can make some decisions that work for us. And the fear is real. Let me just say that what gets thrown at us is very, very real. Um, From G, you know what? She's not a team player. 
it's all code, right? Or gee, she's hard to work right. with. And these are high achieving, high performing, over credentialed yes. sisters. And they don't know that we know we hear the same thing. The, doesn't matter which corporation. That's right. But here, the reality is you're damned if you yes. do, damned if you don't. And so I'd rather be in a position where I control how I work, where I work. I get to shape that and I get to speak up without swallowing it in the form of high blood pressure, uh, yes. cancer, uh, all of the, the diseases that we absorb into our bodies when we are quiet right. and silent. I'd rather speak up and be healthy than be silent and yes. be sick. And part of that sick silence is that we are afraid of what someone else might take yeah. away from us. So if I know that I'm going to be judged whether I speak up or whether I'm quiet, because if I'm quiet, well, you know, I don't know her perspective mm -hmm. enough or she's not assertive enough or I, she's not a good leader. She's not a right. prepared leader because I'm not engaged in the conversation. But if I speak up too much, yeah, then I'm, I, yes. I, I'm aggressive then I'm the angry yes. black woman. So I've got to choose where I am going to stand. And that's what I say to black women who are high-performing leaders in organizations. You've got to pick where you decide mm -hmm. to be because either way, you're going yeah. to catch it. Do you want to catch it from a perspective that gets you opportunities and allows you to pave the way for others? Or do you want to catch it from this place of yes. being a prisoner held captive? I let you go. You said something really extraordinarily important before we got on the line and went on the air. And it was around the importance of the perks. And when I say perks, I don't just mean OG yeah. is you get some time off. We're not talking about that. We're talking yeah. about stocks. We're talking about merit bonuses yes. based on the performance of the company. We're talking about those things that actually provide you with the security that some of us we're okay just hanging out at a certain level at the corporation and we never see those things. Talk about that. Right. You know, think about, imagine if we were negotiating going into an organization, not just stocks or some of the executive incentives, the bonuses, but we were also including in that package a package mm -hmm. tax planning having access to a CPA, having access mm -hmm. to an attorney, having that same uh, access for our spouses or our partners, having um, perks that went beyond our time of employment yeah. with an organization. We're talking about mm -hmm. wealth building, having access to an automobile that we don't have to pay for. So imagine not having to take your money that you're earning paying for a car because the company has provided yes. one for you and also they pay the insurance for it. Think about how that translates yes. financially and the distance it creates between us, those of us who don't get that and don't know to ask for it and those who are getting it. That's a jump start for them, a head start, but it's also a legacy that they get to use as a platform for yes. their children and their children's children. And those are very real total compensation packages beyond yeah. the paycheck 
that leaders are getting every single day. So we have to know whether that's in communities of other people who are exposed to that. We have to know what to ask for, not going in and getting the regular vacation. I can remember going in and saying, you know what? I don't want what what you're telling me by policy is available. Here's what I want. Can you give it to me? And getting it. Absolutely. And you know what? I think it's incumbent upon the black leaders who have made it through the black ceiling somehow to share these secrets because ultimately they're secrets. <laughs> Nobody talks about them. Yes. The fact that after you've left, even after retirement, even after uh, being laid off, being, you know, just leaving, that you're still getting paid by X corporation years later. Yes. That's, that's right. That's a secret that a and lot even- of black folks don't share with other black folks. You, you know what I found out in the corporate space? I didn't know for many years that executive coaches were They're, the secret weapons being used by some leaders see? to help them get Okay, ahead. now you're right. Okay, you you really okay. That's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other culture too. Because I, that's the way I introduce my services as as a secret weapon. Because these people walk the halls in these corporations, and you may not even know who they are unless you're one of these high posts right. or one of these executives who's been, you know, tagged as one of these people who needs a coach. Yes. Yeah. Quietly. It's orchestrated Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. So even going into an organization saying part of my employment or part of my promotion, I would like to have someone who works with me and looks at my individual potential and helps me be more effective going forward. Yes. That's part of what you can negotiate. Absolutely. Oh, there's so much we could talk about. But Lafern, this has been awesome. Yeah. Yay! I really appreciate you. Thank you for coming on the show. Where can everybody find you on social media? Oh, I'm under Lafern Beatty, L-A-F-E-R-N-B-A-T-I-E. There are no other Lafern Beatties in this world who at least are on social media. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I love engaging. So please reach out and connect. I'd like to be able to share some secrets and conversations to help your listeners be better and prepared. You know what? I tell all my listeners, no matter where you are around the globe, please reach out to Lafern. Laferne, thank you so much for your time today and your wisdom. Thank you so much. It's an awesome pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. What an awesome conversation with Laferne Beatty, CEO of the Beatty Group, leadership consultant and business strategist. Laferne, you bless my soul. Thank you for that word. And sisters out there, don't get stuck in the middle. We're here to help people like me and Laferne are there to be your secret weapon. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.